happens in all this world. Podcasts fill the streets. There's only two men who bring order to the chaos. Hello and welcome to a very hard Christmas. This is a special Christmas episode of our podcast and I am always um, Dominic Duplum and here he is. He's taken a few falls on the icy pavements but he's he's uh, entering the room with his usual verve. He is covered in brandy butter and ready to be set ablaze. It is Dick Visage. Merry Hello. Christmas, Dick. Merry, Merry Christmas. I've just been sat actually in my limo outside um with sunglasses on with a giant bear next to me ra- raiding the minibar um i think there was like an office party or something going on where i was sat there was like some explosions and you know party poppers and stuff going on and some yeah. german lads running about so it's, it seemed quite exciting yeah and of course for those eagle eared which is a saying listeners out there um Dick just gave you quite the clue as to tonight's film. Now, you know us, our kind of um, MO is to pick the less obvious choices and to try and pick action films that aren't necessarily obscure, but not the, 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 the big ones unless we really need to. And I think since it's Christmas, uh, we think we wouldn't tease you anymore. I mean, obviously, we could go long kiss goodnight. Even I think Lethal Weapon might be in the ranking of Christmas action films, yep. less less likely. But no, we're not going to fuck about. Today, we are going to talk about, of course, the ultimate Christmas movie, Die Hard 2. Die Harder. <laughs> die, die Harder. So um, uh, before we start, I think I just want to touch on something that um, bugs the shit out of me. And I think that... Is it, it that gnat in... that's flowing around your genitals? Is yeah. That... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's such a mistake putting him down there. Um, no, and I, I think this is a discussion that comes up every year and it's getting really boring. And that is, um, is Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Lethal Weapon, a Christmas movie? Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are, but my feelings are this. I think there are subcategories of Christmas movies. There are movies that are about Christmas. And the spirit of Christmas and the redemptive power of Christmas features heavily in the narrative uh, of the story. So that will be your, you know, your Scrooged and your Elves yep. uh, and uh, your other such films. Um, then there are films that take place at Christmas mm. and that covers your diehards and your nice guys and your gremlins. And yep. then there are films, and this is my particular definition, that you tend to watch at Christmas. Now, as a kid, I would watch things like Star Trek and Indiana Jones and Star Wars. Yeah. I would watch fantasy and adventure and science fiction. So this year, my Christmas viewing, I've got lined up. I'm going to watch The Black Hole and John Carter because they are movies that fill me with the escapism of Christmas. Yep. In other words, as far as I'm concerned, if a movie that you're... If you're telling me this movie is a Christmas movie and it's because your subjective view of Christmas involves it, then yes, it is. Absolutely. Yep. So in that respect, is Die Hard 2 a Christmas movie to you? Yes, because, right, so I'm going to rewind a little bit because the the points you made are very valid. So for me... Thank you, thank you. 
You're welcome. Die Hard is a Christmas film on three levels for me because it's a film I used to watch at Christmas, every Christmas. One. 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 Two, it's a film uh, set at Christmas. So it's set at Christmas time. It includes a Christmas party Mm -hmm. and um, there's kind of, you know, Christmassy elements in there. Hmm. So that's two. Three, toi, because we're French, (laughs) do it properly. Yep. It is... A, essentially a film that deals with redemption and reuniting with family. It's about essentially a man who crosses from one side of the country to the, the other one to be with his wife at Christmas. It just so happens that as he goes to see her at Christmas, a load of German shits interrupt their um, their happy, happy Christmas. So actually, for three reasons, it's a Christmas film. Now, there is one little ingredient where I think people nitpick about, and this mm. gets right up on my tits because, <laughs> um, because uh, <laughs> this um, gets right up your tits. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to. I, I got angry then. I couldn't. I couldn't get the right body part out. Um, there's one thing that I think people kind of nitpick about, which is it's because it's in LA. So mm. therefore, the the kind of main Christmas thing is the white Christmas, the snow, yeah, and that's that's missing. So for some reason, people argue it's not a Christmas film. That's bollocks. Mm. So I think what Die Hard Two, Die Harder, puts in there is it includes it goes back to the East Coast of America, where it's a winter wonderland of snow, it and is. so therefore, it's almost like right, you didn't have snow last time, you bastards, yeah. have it this time. So. For me, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, is a Christmas film on three levels. Un, it's set at Christmas. Du, yeah. um, it, it is, it's a film I watched at Christmas alongside Die Hard. And toi, it's about a person who's stuck at an airport waiting to see his family at Christmas. Yeah. So, in your face, naysayers, is what I yeah. say. Up your tits. <laughs> Up your tits. Uh, that's, the, that's the title of the film we're pitching tonight. Up your tits. <laughs> So, um, Die Hard 2 is a film that not pe- not many people talk about a lot, really. And I think it's a really interesting one because, again, while we're sharing theories and we're, while we're sharing threes, wow. um, I, t- yes, uh, <laughs> trois plural, I think that Die Hard 2 is an absolutely incredible action movie. I don't think it's a great Die Hard sequel. So I, I think that the thing that made Die Hard so exciting at the time is that, yes, it's big and loud uh, and exciting and it's it's completely over the top. But it within its own internal logic, it tried to ground it in some kind of reality. And it was going out of its way to make us aware that John McClane was not like John Matrix or not like Rambo. This is not some kind of genetically engineered killing machine he was a guy he's an ordinary man isn't he he's basically an ordinary man who happens to be a cop a blue collar cop he doesn't know martial arts he's just got his wiles about him and he takes a right old beating yeah and i think that die hard with a vengeance carries on that very much so it's creative license with with logic and gravity is very much matched with the same kind of internal logic as die hard and it feels like the same john mcclain yeah it does it Die gets hard. away with it, doesn't it? It gets away with the fact, actually, mm. we've taken John McClane and stuck him in a sandbox. Yeah. We've kind of took him, taken him from 
a small environment and we've kind of almost like we've let him out on a gameplay role. We've kind of let him out into yeah. the world to run around essentially. But it, you're right, it is still a John McClane that we know. I yeah, mean. and it, and it does something clever with the with the sequel in the sense that it doesn't, you know, there's a reason for him to be caught up in that in that third film because yeah. he's been targeted. Plus, they look at the kind of diehard template and go, well, let's not just replicate it, let's invert it. We go from claustrophobic to suddenly the whole of New York is a playground. Yeah. And I yeah. think that works really well. Now, for me, the problem with Die Hard 2, and again, this does not affect its quality as an action film, just as its sequel, mm. is that it's trying to replicate the magic of Die Hard. Mm. Now, firstly, we want John McClane. And John McClane um, is a scrappy, tough cop. Great. Mm. Would a film where John McClane just works a case be the same no it'll probably still be good so you mm. need some other elements so there's this die hard siege element mm -hmm. which you get into the problem of well where are we having a siege now but that's not the issue it's the issue that it's accidental again yep then they go oh it's at christmas yep. again mm -hmm. and then they go well his wife can be caught up in it again yep and why not william athens character yeah and it just feels like <clears throat> such a collection of massive coincidences that wouldn't does in itself doesn't feel right in the first Die Hard film. The second big problem, other than the sequelitis of it all, is the fact that in this John McClane, he still takes a beating, he's still scrappy, <sighs> but he does exhibit some uh, accelerated superhuman abilities yeah. in this. He yeah. he's not the just getting by cop. He does some shit in this. That you think, yeah, no, no there's no Absolutely. way that the other way John McClane would do. So as we go through, we'll talk about why this film is so much fun. But I'm just going to point out where I feel there are moments where you think, oh, actually, this in of itself, this is a great action movie. But this is yeah, where yeah. it kind of stops being the the diehard we know and love. Um, if you I don't think, mind, yeah, I think on that point because I <clears throat> I've got a big kind of beam on it about this because I think Hollywood forgets very quickly who John McClane is. Mm. So the first one, you're absolutely right. He's a cop who relies on his smarts. Yeah. He's, 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 he's quite scrappy and tough, but he gets by on a sheer amount of luck. He mm. manages to stumble around the building mm. and through his wit and luck gets to the very top, mm. just about intact. He's all kind of battered and bloodied and bruised. And like you say, it's 1987, 1988 when, Hollywood was churning out these kind of huge superhuman muscle men who never, you know, got away without a scratch on them. Mm. And they were the superheroes at the time. So it was very, very different. And even as a kid, you recognize that John McClane isn't this big hulking kind mm. of killing machine. The second one is where it started to forget that formula. So like you say, he got away mm. with, you know, being fired out of a cockpit and having mm. a grenade thrown at him. Die Hard 3 remembers who John McClane is, but like you say, plays around the conventions. Die Hard 4. A.K.A. 4.0, A.K.A. Live Free or Die Hard. That's the one. Um, completely forgets it. Now, it casts John McClane as kind of a smug, battle-weary kind of person who he walks away from car wrecks and fires cars at helicopters, which is completely mm. not what it, he's about. And then the, the final film, the let free motherfucking Russia or whatever it's called <laughs> is basically is someone who's taken a name of a character that's been in another film and just use that name to completely tarnish anything mm. that character was in the first film. So somebody walks away from a car wreck with a grin and a quip 
That's not who John McClane is at all. No. So throughout the films, it's dissected that character and went backwards yeah. to what actually he was in the first place, which is a blue collar, quite clever because he mm. is smart. He's, he doesn't appear that way. Yeah. Quite clever, scrappy person who's fairly good at his job, but doesn't seem to want to put that much effort into mm. his job or his marital life. But yeah. actually, he's a normal bloke. He's very normal. He's he's basically afraid of flying, and he's a bloke who doesn't like being at office parties. He's yeah. someone who is relatable to me and you. Mm. And then throughout the series of films, starting with Die Hard 2, Die Harder, is someone who becomes more and more of a caricature for me. Yeah. So that's yes. my John McClane kind of ran out of the way. I'm going to Good. take my monocle off now because, you know. Yes, I think so. Get off your stepping stool. I shall. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, it's good that we're on the same page. Now, I don't think we actually need to go through the plot of Die Hard 2 because you've all seen it, right? Um, it's Die Hard. Even if you see Die Hard 1, if you see yeah. Die Hard 1, you don't need to watch this film, basically. Yeah. It, it, I mean, really, most of the staff is setting up all the playing pieces. We've got, he's getting his car towed away by a, um, a, a shitty New York police cop who's Joey Tribriani's dad uh, in, in Friends, adulterous father. His wife's on a plane. He, uh, she's up there with uh, William Athens' character. And Mrs. Doubtfire as well. That's some yeah. old, quippy, snazzy, yes. snarky old woman. And with everything that's going on, John McClane sees um, people hanging out by the baggage, baggage sort of claim, baggage sorting, who thinks they look a bit suspicious and being a police officer. He investigates and it turns out they're super hard bastards and he gets involved in a big old shootout which again is a pretty exciting shootout. It feels, and this thing, this shootout feels like it's from the end of Die Hard. Yes. This is not does. like a, a light introduction or two people touching coral. This is a full-on shootout fight scene in a complicated, busy industrial room with smoke and blue light and all this kind yep. of stuff. It's good stuff. And this brings him into um, conflict with uh, Dennis Franz, who's playing the, uh, um, that's the correct pronunciation, the uh, airport police officer. Who's like, why are you firing guns off in my airport? And he goes, these guys are not bag snatchers. They've got Glocks. They've got, they're properly trained. Um, there's something bad going down. Now, at the same time, we're introduced to William Sadler, a.k.a. Death from the Bill and Ted movies, and a bunch mm -hmm. of other movies, president in the, in the Marvel Universe, um, who is a wonderfully versatile actor. And here, playing just an absolute terrifying arsehole. We, when you meet your character naked doing martial arts, you know this guy's a bad guy. Which I don't know why he's naked. I mean, I get the fact that he's trying to show him as a kind of, you know, because he, he's showing his scars and stuff. Yeah. But, what, you know, pop a pair of pants on, at least. You, you know? don't give a shit. You don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised he put clothes on at all. I fully expect him to see fighting John McClane on the wing of an aeroplane with dong in the wind, um, which is a... <laughs> Elton John Christmas song, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but the fact that this is a guy who is that dedicated to martial arts um, that he does it with his tackle out, but also is willing to crash an airplane full of innocent people without even blinking and then share some beers with the lads when they get away with their money. This guy is a, a, an absolute shit. And this is, a, this is a guy who's a John Matrix shit. This is the guy that yes. Schwarzenegger would go up against. Yes. He's not like Hans Gruber, who you can kind of see that actually... If John McClane got face to face, there's, you know, physically John McClane is going to get the better of him. Yeah. But there's like some cat and mouse stuff. You know that this guy 
should piss all over John McClane. This guy's yeah. a military trained martial artist motherfucker. Mm. Um, so already the, the bar is set a little bit higher. And basic their plan is to uh, keep the airplanes, take over the airplanes, keep them in the air, and then demand their their the release of their general, played by Franco Nero. Yep. Uh, and well, from what country is he being released from? Valverde. It is. It, the return of Valverde. Yes. He looks a bit, he's dressed a bit like Dan Hedea's character as well from Commando, isn't he? He's got that kind of yeah. cream jacket with the, the epaulettes on and the white shirt. So it's almost like the Valverde, you know, you, which national dress. Which might explain the kind of change in narrative logic. The fact that, uh, you know, this is this film takes place in the Commando universe. Mm. You know, why we never got to see John McClane and John Matrix together, I, I don't know. Essentially, it's up to John McClane. Now, this this leads me to my first point where I think we've got an excellent action sequence, but one that doesn't fit in with the diehard scene, and that is the Annex Skywalk shootout. Yeah. So it's a great shootout in many, many respects. <clears throat> Basically, the terrorists are acting as painters and decorators in a soon-to-be-opened part of the airport. But what they're really doing there is setting up a, a radio beacon or something. So a SWAT team is sent out to investigate. And this SWAT, now this is a SWAT team. This is a team of trained weaponsmen. Um, they've all got assault rifles. They know what they're doing. They're trained for these situations. They walk in and McLean's like, they're sitting ducks, get them out of there. They walk in and the terrorists get the jump on them and take them to pieces. Yeah. Now, if a team of trained, essentially police soldiers with assault rifles hmm. get taken apart, surely John McClane is at a real disadvantage here. What John McClane does is drop out of an air vent onto the floor and then roll around on the floor, hmm. like just do roll, just roll around for ages, firing well. and just kills them all. And you think, now hang on, hang on, <laughs> this is not. This is not John McClane. This is Chai and Fat in Hard Boiled. And so, I mean, it's great. It works really well. The use of slow motion and all that kind of stuff. But it feels like it's ripped from a John Woo movie. It feels like it's heroic bloodshed, not, you know, blue collar guy in a vest and no socks fighting for his life. And he kills off, uh, he kills Robert Patrick. So Robert he does Patrick kill the T-1000. Very quick five second yeah. cameo, doesn't he? Ooh. And this really is the crux of the matter. This is this is playing big and excessive, as was the you know the the, the kind of theme of the nineties. Um, action went super big, rather than keeping in in line with that. And that's not to say that's all bad, because this film is incredibly satisfying. All of the violence is really big and bold. Mm. Um, all of and something I, I keep coming back to this word crunchy when I think about it. Like Die Hard, the first Die Hard is very slick. There's lots of kind of hard edges and clean lines. This is all very soft. The kind of textures in the cinematography, everyone's wearing big scrunchy coats. They're running mm. over snow. The sound effects are really big and bold. Um, every punch is this big. It just feels like it's really tactile and crunchy mm. and excessive which is massively satisfying. But again, it doesn't feel like it's the same universe as the first Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And we get a point where I think this is the order, because I, I didn't rewatch this for the podcast. I'm going from memory. You did watch it. Is this why uh, Mr. Sadler drops the plane out of the sky? 
Yeah, it's kind of retribution for yeah. um, them kind of going out messing up the beacon. I think he says, um, you, I think he says something like lesson number one or something like yeah. that. And then, yeah, and he drops a British plane outside out of of the air, like a British mm-hmm. Airways, which actually, when I watched it last night, there's like kids running around the aisles and stuff. Yeah, and, a- you know, the stewardess talks to a little old dear who's a bit scared of flying, and mm-hmm. then everyone's really quaint and a bit sweet. So it kind of when it crashes, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. he's a shit, isn't he? Cole Meany, the the yes. Irish actor, uh, buys the farm, and it's 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 proper brutal. Not only is it huge, I mean, it, it's a it's a proper commercial airline and gets thrown into the ground mm. in a massive explosion, but it's brutal. I mean, <laughs> the death count there is significantly higher than the total death count in the first Die Hard. I like um, William Sadler's payoff line as well, because yeah. he kind of, he's playing like a, he's the air traffic controller mm. and he's kind of got this very calm, relaxed voice. Mm. And he says, we've we got gotcha. We've got you. And at the end it's like, we've got, it's just, he's quite sinister. And actually yeah. pay, that pays off quite well. Yeah, yeah. This, this is not Hans Gruber just trying to get away with some money and maybe some mm. people get hurt. This is an absolute psychotic. Yeah. Um, well, not even psychotic, just cold and calculated. Mm. And this is not like someone that, that John McClane would not, well, let's say would normally go up against. He's only been up against one person at this point, but it feels like a huge jump up. Like, oh, this mm. guy's dropping Boeings out of the sky. Yeah. Um, but, you know, McClane's not to be deterred. There is a team of experts coming in um, of soldiers uh, who are going to deal with this guy. Um, and they're not happy that McLean's going rogue, but fuck it, McLean goes off to head for the church. Now, uh, when I first saw Die Hard 2, I saw it on VHS and it was rated 15. Yes. It was a 4 3 pan and scan version um, and it was fine. When I got started to get excited about widescreen and, and they started releasing widescreen versions of films on VHS with the black bars, I was it interesting because I suddenly thought, oh, actually, there's I can see more of the film here. Yeah. I'm seeing more. But what particularly intrigued me about Die Hard 2 was the widescreen version was an 18. And there's two key reasons. One, uh, there is a moment where someone's throat is slit. Yeah. And in the 4-3 version, that's out of shot. But nothing to do with widescreen. The fight at the church, John McClane kills someone with, a, with an icicle. And in the original version, he just pulls the icicle off and he stabs the guy and you only see it from over the shoulder yeah. and the guy dies. Watching the, the new widescreen version, he shoves it in the guy's eye and then snaps it off in his eye yeah. socket. Yeah. And it's proper graphic. It might yeah. be the single most violent moment in a Die Hard film. I think the, where he kneecaps the guy in the first Die Hard before he falls headfirst into glass, that's pretty mm. rough. But snapping an icicle off in a guy's eye socket is pretty... Yeah, it's pretty, pretty but But great. Um, and there's a snowball chase, which is pretty fun. And this is where we get the twist. I've not missed any big action sequences out, have I? That's, that's... Uh, I think, yeah, because this is the pretty second big one. Uh, yeah. It's where the, the, the new team arrive, isn't it? And they're kind yeah. of uh, chasing each other. And this is where, yeah, the, the kind of big twist comes, isn't it? Yeah, it's the... and it's a pretty good one. Um We've missed something. We have missed something. Frank O'Neill's general flies in. Yeah. Uh, McLean goes out to intercept. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have yeah. to get the uh, upper hand. And again, this is a great little bit of action, action moment, but it's it it's a bit much for a diehard movie where he's trapped in the cockpit. They're opening fire. They lob grenades in. 
grenades that tend to take an age to go off. Yeah. Um, but McLean ejector seats out of a landed plane. We get a really, really cool uh, comp- composite shot of blue screen or green screen shot, which is actually for 1990, 91, yeah. pretty decent. solid. I mean, yeah, it's it, decent. Um, of him of the ejector seat flying right up to the camera from a bird's eye view. Now, I don't know much about ejector seats. I don't think it goes that high. Um, I think it would fire out and he would land and have massive spinal injuries. I think it just kind of go and then yeah. just, yeah, just land really badly on the, yeah. But, you know, like I say, I, I, I'm not here to say that action films should be realistic. Far from it, as anyone who's listened to any of our podcasts before. Again, it just feels like it's something that doesn't belong in the first Die Hard movie. But it's a great, great little sequence. And yeah. then we cut to the team, the anti-terrorist team, in cahoots with our bad guy, Colonel Stewart, and they're going off to escape. So anyway, we then have the big finale where McLean fights hand-to-hand two trained military people, one of which we've established knows martial arts. And again, you know, McLean gets his ass handed to him, but again, he does probably far better than one would expect a cop from New York to do against yeah, these two yeah. people. But it's a great fight. I, I once had a friend who believe who who dismissed the film because I think he wasn't concentrating, but he assumed that what when they saw the shot of them fighting on the wing, that he thought the plane was in flight. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, "That's bullshit. That never happened." I'm like, "What do you mean?" Because he couldn't fight like that for like several thousand feet. Like it's on the ground. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> It's probably I mean, going like it's moving very fast. It's, yeah, yeah, it's probably I mean, moving they very fast. Stood up. But it ain't, you know, it's not there's, only the Atlantic. There's part of me, there's part of me that was watching this, wishing it was Dennis Franz fighting because I think that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> just, just Dennis Franz being pummeled on the wing of a plane and just kind of, yeah, amazing. Just ends up having a having a coronary and just sliding yeah. off the. <laughs> Um, but no, it's it's a cool fight, and it ends obviously with him lighting the fuel. And as the plane takes off, the, the line of fire catches up, and the plane explodes. Um, and it's a great line, a, a lovely line, a lovely mm. line. In fact, I think I, you know, I once kind of, I say wooed an ex-girl from this line. I think I didn't. I think I said it whilst what after watching the film with a girlfriend, and I'm thinking it was really cool. But it, it's something Joan shouts, "Holly, it's your landing lights!" Yeah, and it's yeah. like. And to, to help land, so he's used this plane yeah. to uh, his wife, uh, wife's plane land. Which mm. you know, if That's anyone nice. is a single gentleman out there, um, mm. yeah, try that line. See, see, see how that far, how far that gets you. Don't, don't go yippee ki motherfucker. That doesn't work quite as well. No. no. Now, I, I will say while we're, while we're talking about that line, this is a very sweary movie. I mean, Dennis Franz alone in that first office argument just doesn't stop saying fuck over yeah. and over and over again. I've got the fucking Boy Scouts coming through here, which is great. Yeah. Now, we also get a cameo because we're trying to fill this film with as many famous faces from um, Sergeant Powell. Yeah, Powell, who's Powell. On the, there he is. Yeah, who's on the end of the phone. And again, I'm glad they didn't shoehorn him into the siege thing, like he's yeah. on holiday to the Caribbean or something and gets caught up. And he's <laughs> That'd in be amazing. Bermuda shorts and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there is twinkie, a, uh, yeah. by, by the cabana. <laughs> but there is a bit of a weird line where he says, um, hey, John, you won't be pissing in someone else's pool, would you? 
which I think is a good line. And then yeah. the comeback, yeah, and I'm fresh out, fresh out of chlorine. Yeah. It just doesn't work as a although, joke. Although, he does deliver it. And I really, a little corker of a line to, because he's, because um, it's the 90s, so they put, mm. a, they put um, a pager in there that keeps going off. Yeah. And fax machines. Yeah. Because obviously in this film, it's the future. So John McClane using the fax machine. Um, but um, he's, he asked the help of, a, of a, an attractive uh, kind of girl working behind the desk. And then she kind of says, oh, I'm getting off in a minute. You fancy a drink? And he takes the facts. He looks her in the eye and goes, just the facts, ma'am. Just mm. the facts. And I was like, I like that line. That I is a good line. Yeah. Although it does also show that that apparently he's got such sexual char- charisma that just being on a phone call, women can't help but... With a fag in his mouth. <laughs> want him to get out of yeah. his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But anyway, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah, I'm sure we'll let that go. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the movie. It's big, it's bold. There's lots of things blowing up. At least three aeroplanes, two of them commercial liners go up in flames. Yeah. Hundreds, hundreds of people die. Big, big fat squibs. Um, lots of slow motion shootouts. I mean, it's brilliant. Like I say, it's just a... It's it's possibly a bit on the ridiculous side, yeah. For die, die hard for the die hard thing. Now die hard four. We just touched on that briefly. I I quite like. I think it's actually not a bad action movie, and it kind of makes an all right sequel to die hard two, in a way. In a sense, it's ridiculous. Although weirdly, die hard four starts off. Unlike, I mean, Die Hard 2 maintains its logic. It's as ridiculous at the end as it is at the start, whereas Die Hard 4 starts off with a kind of Die Hard 2, Die Hard 3 logic, and it ends with McLean fighting a jet plane with his fists. But, you know, uh, for me, I'd like I'd watch Die Hard and Die Hard 3, and then I'd watch Die Hard 2 and Die Hard 4. Yeah. Um, and I've still yet to see the fifth one. I just Don't haven't bother. bothered. So, but also... Um... You know, we get a bit more of William Atherton as well, who plays, yes. you know, he's a shit in the first film, but he goes, he plays, you know, he, he ups the shit stakes mm. even more in this film, which I kind of wish he has, he has a spin-off film. Yeah. I'd like called, to see... what the shit. The, I, th- I think William Atherton plays that kind of officious twat um, <laughs> really, really well. <laughs> But, he, but yeah, he's, he's really snivelly and cowardly and puts yeah. everyone in danger again and gets punched in the face. No, he gets tasered, doesn't he? Holly tasers him in yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's good that, that, that uh, Bonnie Bedelia gets some stuff to do other than just kind of, you know, be in danger. But I'd like to see Holly. I'd like to see Holly rescue John McClane. Yeah. I'd like to switch around. Have John McClane stuck, I don't know, up a Ferris wheel while Holly runs around drop kicking terrorist pricks yeah brilliant brilliant and actually it's william atherton who's the, the main shit and he's got pissed off her keep fucking him over he's so he... he's playing the owl power part he's on the phone yeah. outside yeah. the fairground give yeah. feeding her information from their helicopter this is a this that's that should be where the die hard goes just yeah. leave john mcclain alone follow holly janeiro clearly i love die hard to bits but it is a film where it because it's so good I think you've really got to commit to it. Yeah. Whereas something like Die Hard 2 is the kind of nonsense I could just throw on and watch. Yeah. Like from beginning to end. I could stop. 
20 minutes into Die Hard 2 and pick it up the next day. Whereas Die Hard, I'd want to give over the two hours to. So you, Actually, when you watch Die Hard, by the end of it, you feel like you've gone on that. Every time you feel like you've gone <laughs> through it with John McClane, you feel knackered. Yeah. You feel like, oh, that was exhausting because you felt that pain with him. I mean, you, he's, you've got through it by the skin of his teeth, by mm. look and brawn and brains and just sheer you know, kind of scrappiness. Yeah. But like you said, the rest of it, you don't feel like, you feel like actually everything's yeah. kind of been like, you know, that wouldn't happen. That EA, you wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Die, die Hard die hard is Christmas dinner. It's a rich, lavish meal that you spend time in. And whereas Die Hard 2 is a box of fucking Ferrero Rocher that you just destroy because you've got no self-esteem it's boxing day when you're still kind of full of christmas but you're just getting a bit full and a bit and like oh yeah you've got a sandwich made out of blue cheese cold turkey <laughs> stuffing and quality street just all jam <laughs> you're just putting everything in one and just shoving just, it in your face while yeah. crying yeah <laughs> um, maybe that's just me that's the weird thing as well is that um the die hard by by setting die hard two at christmas part of this weird part of the franchise of the formula is that it's got to happen at holidays mm-hmm. and one of the things we we're talking about when we talk about pitching movies was we could pitch a, a mclean family christmas like national lampoons where they're just trying to have a normal christmas and they can't stop getting attacked by terrorists but um william, william atherton's stuck on the roof yeah. but a valentine's day one you know that would be great um he's just trying to deliver a box of roses a box of roses, a box of chocolates and some roses. No, fuck it. A box, a cardboard box full of roses yeah. to, to Holly um, and shit goes down. Yeah. Uh, pancake day. Die hard. Die hard, hard 12. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, how long we got? We can't. We can't. Can we yeah. do a three hour podcast? Where we just do all these ideas. Yeah, um, absolutely. Anyway. Now, um, we're not going to do keywords today because we discussed this and we thought that, well, Die Hard 2... Stop booing. Stop booing there. (laughs) Although Die Hard 2 is ludicrous, actually, you know, there's nothing really to have fun with in in that respect. It's it's a pretty solid action movie. And nothing too absurd in terms of creative choices happens. So, and we're not going to talk about Die Hard merchandise necessarily. We have decided, since it's Christmas... Me uh, and Dick are going to share gifts with each other. You can't these... see it, but we're sat in a... I want to use the word grotto. Uh, uh, I mean, there's gr- fairy lights up. Yeah, not all of them. are. Some of them are just blinking. Yeah. Um, and they're all red. Yeah. Which makes it look a little bit like um, where you might hire a prostitute in Amsterdam. And there, that... are, pro- and there are prostitutes. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> Uh, is 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 that an elf behind you? Is that an elf? No, no, it's not. Okay, <laughs> it's not. I, I, won't, uh, I won't ask anymore. <laughs> um, so uh, we've bought each other some gifts, and we went out and found the best possible, the best possible action movie merchandise we could find. I, you can see mine over here. Mine's quite big and uh, wrapped well. Um, yeah. Who wants to open first? If you, I, I shall. Shall I open for you? Pass me your. You pass me. Okay, hang on. I'll just. I, I'll just. Pa- hang on. Wait one second. Oh, wow, that's a big one. There you go. Oh, thanks. Open away. I think you'd be pleased. 
Oh my god! For those at home, just to fill in for for, for Dick's stun silence, he's just opened the Nakatomi Plaza playset. Um, it's a five-story rendering of Nakatomi Plaza. That if you if you remember Optimus Prime's carriage, if you stand that on its end and then opened it, that's kind of how this works. Okay, it comes up to about my chest. I'm five eleven, so it's pretty I'm, pretty. I'm getting in it. I'm getting in. It. Um, it's designed to take figures that are equal to the size of mask figures. And as you can see inside there, all the cast are there. There's a little uh, John McClane, a little Hans Gruber, um, and a, a little Carl, and there's Al Powell, um, and there's the Johnsons. Uh, they're all there. Um, and you'll also see that on the different floors, there's different teams. So there's the there's the basement floor, and there's a little car that drives in. And you'll find that if you put the limo car with Argyle in it, if you clip it into those wheel things and press a button, it fires it into the ambulance. And the front is made out of like a soft rubber, so it actually compresses in, uh, and so it, it crushes in. That's pretty cool. And if you go up to the next floor, um, we then have the lobby area. Um, and if you put a little drop of oil in, uh, you press a button, it heats up, and a little smoke comes out like the flash grenade uh, that does the security guard. Um, then you go up. That's where... Um, the boss is shot um, as well. And you've got a little squirty thing. You can squirt red over the, over the plastic window and so on and so forth up to the top uh, where you have the rooftop area. Now, the other thing I've, I've gone out of ways is I've tried to, you know, this has been designed by someone who wants to make the ultimate toy. So not only do you have action features, not only do you have action figures, but you also have what was great about toys holograms so all of the computer screens and tvs in there have holograms of the cast's face and when you when you put the figures on a little panel in front of them it says lines so for example if you put argyle uh if you um no not argyle if you put uh john mcclain next to uh the tv on the second floor he will say looks like you just got butt fucked on national tv Dwayne." Um, which is pretty cool, um, out of the speakers, which is great. Uh, and now, if that was not enough, um, there's, a, you know, there's loads of other action features. There's a little thing you can attach a little wire to Hans Group and he, he repels down and what have you. But if you close it up for me, right, and then, and then turn it... Special Agent Johnson. Let me pop it back in. Turn it round. Turn it round. Turn it turned. What other key feature of toys from the 80s and 90s was great? Transformers mask, it only fucking transforms. So you notice the back part of it you couldn't get into. That's because if you turn it around, you can pull out the bottom bits as legs, the arms come out, and then there's a flap that turns around that's got John, um, Bruce Willis's face on it, and it's a giant transforming John McClane that's, that comes up to your chest, or my chest, uh, towers above you. <laughs> um, it's got it nearly fell on me then. That would be yeah crushed. it's got lights it's got sounds it's got action features holograms it transforms um apparently it is prone to catch fire for real that's not an action feature it's because of some of the electrics are made in a third world country and it's i don't think it held up um but otherwise there you go that's the wow. best action movie merchandise christmas present i could find you that's amazing, that's amazing. Um, i think the airport uh, Dallas International Airport comes out next year. Amazing. So get your pre-orders in for that. Amazing. 
Amazing. Right, I'll tell you what, let me pass you yours. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to unwrap it. It's smaller, I'm afraid, than, than yours. No, it's, 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 you know, some, things, some good things come in tiny packages. So it, you, yes. you'll see it's in a um, in a kind of uh, khaki disguise box. Um, right, yeah. yeah. Kind of camouflaged. If you open it up, yeah. you'll see that Ooh. it's it's a it's a large watch. Now yeah. this watch <laughs> is uh, comes straight from the commando line of luxury watches from the film. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the at the watch, um, it's got some key fixtures. Now I've set it to Valverde time, as yep. you can see. Um, so it, it's kind of night time. Um, so you pop it on your wrist. Now it's, it's it. quite cum- it's quite cumbersome. I agree that actually yeah. you probably can't lift your your wrist very easily because it's, it's pretty hard. heavy. Yeah. Um, but if you stick it to your face, if you look at it directly at your face, yeah. it's got like facial recognition software. Wait. I, 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 the batteries aren't in it yet, but if you put right. it to your face, it makes the loudest fucking noise. <laughs> <laughs> like it went off twice as I was accidentally putting yeah. the box, and it, it, you know, it, it, the police were called, and you know, all yeah. hell broke loose. So, what, what kind of batteries does it take? Um, I think you can only buy them from Vietnam. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't think they're very legal in this country, but you know, right. try the dark web. Okay. Um, so it's it's kind of got that that you know. So basically, you if you look at it, um, it you it, in the nighttime you won't be able to see where you're going, but mm. everyone else will hear you, so it'll be fine. That's good. That's good. Um, it's also got on there. Let me look at the the features in the. Uh, I've I've kept a copy of the pamphlet. I'm going to put it down because my my arm's beginning to hurt. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that's you might burn as well. So just, it's just very hot. Considering it's got no batteries, it's getting very hot. <laughs> Yeah, just if you just be, you only can leave the batteries in for like two minutes. Okay. Um, so it also it's got a, like Siri, you know, yeah. like we have an Apple Watch. It's got a, it's got a um, <laughs> um uh, it's called Arnie, but it, yeah. it comes out if you ask it for a witty retort. Yeah. It fires back that you know if someone's wronged you or said something yeah. mean to you, it'll come out with a witty retort. Like if someone says, you know, back up, dickhead. You look yeah. at your watch, say, what do I say in response? And say, no, you back up, dickhead. <laughs> so, you know, you can play around with that quite a bit. So yeah. you can have a little practice with that. I'll give it a go. Um, and um, if you've got to get somewhere quickly, mm. so if you if you put a timer on, so let's say you've got, a, it's Christmas, so you've got to get down the shops quite quick. You've got an hour. Mm. Um, obviously, when you look at the watch, it, the countdown mode's even louder. Great. So, no, it's but only when you look at it, obviously. Yeah. But whilst whilst you're not looking at it, as you're running around the shops, it loudly plays uh, Jamaican steel drums as you're Amazing. running around the shops. So you know people will get out of your way, and it will kind of give you a little kind of up tempo thing to run around to. Yeah. Um, and there's another feature on there as well. Wow, go for it. Um, it's called downwind. So right. essentially, it's operated by smell. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of um. It, 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 wherever you are, it kind of recognizes and, and picks up someone, someone or something sent. Mm. So if you uh, it allow you to program and say, you know, you, 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 you shit who's chasing after you or you want yeah. to avoid the mother-in-law, you just kind of uh, make sure the watch has got their scent and it will yeah. tell you when you're down vint. <laughs> it's incredible. They've managed to pack all that technology into something that's merely the size of a shoebox. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's great. Actually, you can only wear on your wrist for 10 minutes a, a day, really. Yeah. Repetitive strain injury. I, I did rattle it. I think the steel drums, I don't think it's digitized. I think there are some steel drums inside it. There might be a, a little one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a hammer. I think James Horner might be in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I can't wait to eventually get some batteries from uh, a suspicious Laos. source. And Laos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> give it a go. Only um, Laos. Yeah, it does have lots of warnings on, like stickers on it. I think one for radiation. I'm not sure whether that's... I, I just think that's a cool sticker. It, it does flash quite a bit. I don't know why. Yeah. It's got lots There's... of warning lights on it. Yeah, the strap's got singe marks on it as well. But, you know, uh, that's just got to be a sign that it's of quality, as far as I'm concerned. Of course. Yeah, of course. Well, wow. We've, haven't we done well? Aren't we a couple of lucky little boys? We are. Uh, well, he's been. He's been. <laughs> he's been. He's been. He's been to Laos. He <laughs> um, doesn't so, look well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought he used to have a beard. It's kind of fallen out. He's lost weight as well, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Jesus. He's fucking reindeer is skeletal. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you're having as wonderful a christmas as we are now obviously if we were not the consummate professionals i'd go away and fiddle with my watch and i'm sure dick would uh recreate die hard um and all of his die hard fantasies whatever they may be on a miniature oh, scale man. but no we we've committed to a podcast we're going to stick to it so we're going to delay our satisfaction um, and instead spend a miserable another half hour or so uh, with you fucks. So, um, like when the let... when people won't leave your house, you know, when you've got the family around. Oh, it's, we're done. Fuck off now. We're done. She's <laughs> like that, basically. Yeah. And you're, you're the arseholes that won't leave. Outstanding welcome. Now it's Christmas and we're no Ebenezer Scrooge. So we have allowed the uh, action film title generator one day off. And so without that, we are going to pitch something very special to you. Um, no, we haven't got to our EastEnders action film yet. That's that's going to come at some point. And as we said, you know, we thought about the McLean family Christmas or, or what have you. But um one of the things that kind of prompted our love of pitching films, especially from Dick, was Dick has a um, dream film that we all know and love, a classic action film, uh, Hard Weapon. Um, and so today we're going to pitch uh, hard, its sequel, Hard Weapon 2, Die Lethally. That's right. Um, now... Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Hard Weapon, but if I'm right, it's the, it takes the traditional buddy cop movie scenario, yes. but has both of those cops in a siege environment. Is that correct? It's the uh, it's the famous, uh, if possibly critically mauled, uh, teaming <laughs> of, of the Die Hard and Lethal Weapon universe. Yeah. Which is, uh, is teased in Lethal Weapon, in Die Hard 2, apologies. It's teased in Die Hard 2 because the old lady reading the in-flight magazine has a picture of Riggs and Murtagh on it. So it's teased in that. So like the uh, alien sculling predator, you know, it's kind of teased yeah. in that. So this was the famous crossover uh, where the magic yeah, but, 
came together. We all know and love. Um, of course. Yeah. yeah. And if remember, um, so it's it's Riggs, Murtagh and McLean. Yes. In a kind of menage a trois of yeah. buddiness. With a bit of Al Powell in there as well. He kind of gets them together. Yeah, but he's only ever on the phone. He's, he's in a separate location with Leo Getzum, all right? With Joe Pesci's right, Leo Getz. Right. They're, yeah, yeah. they're constantly fighting over something. There's Twinkies just falling around in the background as well. Yeah, they? and that took place very much like Die Hard in a single inviting closed environment. I can't... Wait, where was it again? Where was the siege taking place? It was, it was a cross between an oil... Like a, a, a container ship and a warehouse. Yeah. It's a warehouse for container ships. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a shipbuilder's yard. Yes. So we could follow the Die Hard 2 template and with Hard Weapon 2 die lethally, uh, the film has the tagline, the gang are back, and this time they're bigger, longer, harder. Yep. Um, we could open up into less of an enclosed space, but more of a kind of, I quite like the transport thing. I don't know about you, but yep. I wondered whether we could do it in like a subway system or something like that or or... Somewhere like Chicago, where they've got subways and like monorails, that kind of stuff. Yeah, a bit like, like taking a pill and one, two, three. I mean, it doesn't have to be one place. It could be a siege that takes place over a series. Of... Let's get hovercrafts in there. How about this? A big super plane, super cargo plane that's carrying military hovercrafts, the latest in military mm. technology. They can go on water, they can go on desert, they can go on snow. He's flying over Chicago from Chicago Airport. Terrorists have attempted to steal it, but no, they ballsed up and it crashes, spilling its load of military-grade hovercrafts all over Chicago, crashing the plane into downtown Chicago, and then the terrorist ships escape into the subway and hold everyone there hostage while their badass terrorist friends come to rescue them. And it's up to McLean, Murtagh and Riggs, who all happen to be visiting. I think it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. So we said it holiday. So every, it's basically um, McLean's flown in from New York and he's got mm. stranded because it's snowing, you see. It's lots of yeah, snow. Yeah. So yeah. McLean's it's been Christmas grounded. Movie. And then Riggs and Murtagh are, they're trying to get back to LA or something. They've been on holiday together to see Leo in Miami. And yeah. they've got they've got grounded at Chicago as well, and they're like, you know, oh, there's John McClane over there. Look, you know, buying duty free, and you know, I like the idea. They've they've all decided to go on a big shopping trip for their wives. Okay, so back home you've got Holly, you've got Murtar's wife, you've got Rena Rene Russo's character. Yeah. His name I can't remember. Leo Getz has got a a kind of. Janice from Friends style annoying girlfriend, and they're all going to meet in Chicago to do a big shopping trip to take back to okay. their wives. Yeah, yeah. But Leo and Al are late. They they decide to drive in the Winnebago, and they're not there. And they're on the phone, and they're bickering. And the three of the Can other Dennis guys. Dennis Franz be there as well. Dennis Franz, yeah, he he he's uh, yeah, he's out. He's he's now been busted down to traffic control in Chicago. <laughs> And he constantly gets into, he's trying to give McLean a ticket. Yeah. Um, when a giant super military cargo plane crashes on Chicago. Yeah. So um, who's, our, who's our villain, Dick? You had some initial ideas about this? Well, I think Hans Gruber has another brother who is the main villain. Yeah. And 
<clears throat> Hans Gruber's brother is currently running his hovercraft operation mm. from Valverde. So he's yes. basically a German shit in yep. charge of a banana republic. Yeah. Played by Go for it. Christopher Walken. Perfect. Perfect. Um, Christopher Walken, I'd like to say he's kept the Max Shrek wig from Batman Returns. Of course he has. Gone full, full yeah. German. So he's Hans Gruber's even more ridiculous big brother. Yeah. He, I, I like the fact that he's the he's the elder brother. Yeah. And he's the one that used to bully the other two. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Got, and to prove this, he's got photographs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but not of them as kids, as, a, as an adult Christopher Walken. Yeah. With both of those Jeremy Irons and what's his face? Uh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman under yeah. his arms. Yeah. And they're all gurning at the camera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's the lead Gruber. Um, yeah. With his full Max Shrek wig, full kind of Valverde, kind of the white shirt and the kind of yeah. um, the cream suit. And his name is... Can I can I make on. a suggestion? Did yes, you have please. a name? Uh, I, I haven't. So go on. Yeah, uh, well, I, originally I thought Heinrich. Yeah. But then I thought Gunter. <laughs> Gunter Gruber. Gunter yeah. Gruber. GG. Um, <laughs> GG. Um, yeah. So he's... Um, we meet him. Can we meet him? And he's naked as well. Yeah, but not. Do, no, he, <laughs> no one expects me. He's flying the plane. That's so. Basically, you 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 meet these kind of um, these young recruits who are shepherding these hovercrafts, and they're mm. all like, "This is their first big flight, and it's exciting. We get to try these new weapons out." They've been test piloting these hovercrafts, and they're all excited. And they go, "This feels. Yeah, let's go say hi to the pilot." When they go in there. The, the pilots are dead and just sat at the controls is a fully naked Christopher Walken. I like it. Actually, he's an autopilot and he's doing like William Sadler style kind of uh, martial arts yeah. moves. But his martial arts moves, he's <laughs> just stood up, <laughs> bollock naked, just moving his hands going, ha, ha. And not doing anything else. Yeah. Just moving his hands really fast. Yeah. Absolutely. But like just stood with his legs wide apart, just doing these mad hand movements. Yeah. <laughs> and while they're distracted, some other soldiers come behind and kill them. Yeah. And all the other crew are all in on it. Yeah. Um, and off they go. But then a giant seagull hits the engine. Wah! And the plane descends and smashes into Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Um, at, at Thanksgiving. At Thanksgiving, I just and... want Christopher Walken to, to to do a like a turkey noise or like yeah. some payoff where he just shouts "gobble gobble" yeah, yeah. in a German accent. And I want the plane to split in half so it comes apart like a Christmas cracker, and all the hovercrafts fill out like the toys yep. all over the town. Initially, McLean, Riggs, and Murtar are helping first responders, right? And this is seen as a military disaster. Yeah. Okay, like what could happen? But we know McLean and we know Riggs. Murtar is like, um, gets interviewed on TV and he's like, these, these, these soldiers gave their lives. It's very, very sad. Um, and But Murtar and McLean, uh, sorry, Riggs and McLean are like, there's something wrong here. Mm. And they follow one of the surviving soldiers yeah. down a sewer 
And Mercer's like, why have we got to go down there? We've got, I've got all my shopping for my wife. And he goes down, all the bags split and there's stuff going in the sewers. <laughs> and he's uh, swearing his head off. He's like, too old for yeah. this, too old for this. Like, oh, yeah. here we go again. Um, and there's a big fight and a shootout in the sewer. Mm-hmm. And they realise that uh, the bad guys have got away onto the, the thing. They come up from the sewer and the Chicago police, who are obviously, as Dennis Rose is part of, is like, these guys, uh, mm-hmm. you know, instead of helping out, they've been causing all sorts of shit down in the sewers. And it's at that point when they're mid getting a mid bollocking by the mayor of Chicago, that Gunter uh, takes over the subway, holds a subway car hostage. And uh, they, unless the Chicago, the city of Chicago clears uh, one of its streets for a plane to land so they can get on it and take off. Yeah. And that's our ticking clock. Okay. Um, because, the entire terrorist group is actually run by the Gruber matriarch, Mother Gruber, Fatima Gruber, who is played by Tyne Daly from nice, nice. yeah, with a with Brilliant. a with a Russian with a, a German accent, and she's flying her own plane, military plane, in from wherever she's from Valverde as well. That's where yeah. she's from. So that's that's the ticking clock. That's the countdown. So obviously the mayor's like, you know what? Fuck it. It's Christmas. Let's clear. It's Christmas and Thanksgiving. Let's clear the Same streets. Thing. Same yeah. Thing. Let's clear the streets. Let the plane land. They, they keep saying off. alternately it's Christmas and then someone yeah. else say, oh, it's Thanksgiving. So you never know really what yeah. time of fucking year it is. But Riggs and McLean are like, no, no, no. So they lead an assault on the subway car. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gunter played by Chris Walken. Uh, he's having any of this shit. He gets control of the the car and he's driving the subway car really fast around the subway. So then they go back up above and they steal some of the hovercrafts mm. and they're off chasing through the streets. And so we have a hovercraft versus it's like the French connection where he's chasing down the train, but it's with fucking hovercrafts and they eventually get the hovercrafts down onto the subway and onto the train tracks. Brilliant. And they're shooting and they jump off onto the back of the subway car. It's very, very, very exciting. Um, McLean has run ahead and he's trying to climb down in front of the train. Mm-hmm. And he manages to get on the front. And him and Christopher Walken are having a shootout. But they're literally Walken's in the car in the in the controls. Mm-hmm. McLean's on the front and they're just shooting each other through the glass yep. and missing. Yeah, um, and it ends with the whole thing being derailed um, yep. and killing a bunch of people on the platform. Gunter gets in a hovercraft with some of his henchmen and escapes. Uh, and they're like, oh, no, what's going to happen now? Um, now, like the first, obviously, you're thinking about, you know, Hard Weapon, the, the, the legendary first crossover film that we talked yeah. about earlier, had, you know, a really good henchman, you know, he, yeah. especially when he did that thing with the with the knives and the, uh, the chainsaw, yeah. which no one can ever forget. Who no. are we going to have as henchmen to kind of one-up that? So I think um, we need someone who's physically imposing. I think what both Die Hard and Lethal Weapon did well is they hired someone who isn't necessarily traditionally imposing. Alexander Goodenough mm-hmm. um, was a dancer. So he's yeah. very tall and thin. He's not muscle bound. Um, and, you know, Gary Busey is just a fucking hot mess. Um, but the thing that made them distinctive is their very, very blonde hair. So whoever yeah. we get... Will either have to have blonde hair, or preferably bleached it. Okay. So I'm thinking someone. Okay, I've I've got an idea. Okay. And I'm going to run with it. Go for it. Mike Tyson. But 
with long flying blonde, like shoulder length blonde hair. So not like a like a like a, a white kind of buzz cut. He's actually yeah. just got long blonde hair. Yeah, yeah, like Pamela Anderson's hair. Brilliant. Um, and yeah, he's got he's been asked to do a German accent. He's also got a hook for a hand. Right. Brilliant. Yeah. There. And he's Walken's um, henchman. And it turns out that he is, as is the case with these things, involved in all three main characters' past lives. So he bullied Marta at school. Yeah. He was also partly responsible for Riggs's wife's death. Yep. And I don't know, he ran over McLean's dog or something. Yeah, he sent him an angry letter about parking outside his yeah. house or something. Yeah. Can, what about you got Mike Tyson? I when you said that, I was I was thinking Mr. T. Let's do that. Let's do Mr. T with a blonde wig. Blonde wig and a hook for a hand and yeah. a German accent. See, now I want him to have a feather boa as well. Let's go fabulous right. with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Oh, um, <laughs> um his, his first name be Clomper. Yeah, yeah. Right, Stag. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Or Blitzkrieg. Clomper Blitzkrieg. It's done. Done and done. Yeah. <laughs> and when he punches someone, he said he calls it the Blitzkrieg bop. Yeah. And he goes bop, bop, bop. Uh, no, he's but, doing that, but Walken <laughs> is going bop, bop, pow, bing, pow. <laughs> yeah. Every With time a bullhorn. <laughs> every time there is a fight scene, Walken's doing the sound effects off. Off to the side. <laughs> Sometimes, even when there's not a fight scene, yeah, he's just yeah. making noises. Um, now, I don't know what the action scenes between are going to be. I, I think I know what the finale should be, okay. or at least part of it. So I don't know whether there's anything you think needs to happen. Uh, there's uh, one scene I think should happen. Go for it. I want there to be an action scene in like a Macy's Day Parade where they all get stuck on a balloon. Balloons, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> and, like, balloons start taking off everywhere, and they make a right fucking mess of it. Like, balloons take off everywhere. Yeah. So the plane's going to land, but the problem is the street they want to land on is where the parade is happening. Right. And Riggs and McLean are like, when there's no way we're letting their plane ride, and Murtagh's like, don't do this. So they grab giant balloons. Yeah. So what giant balloon is Riggs on? Uh, I think he's got a. Um, I want it to be a really stupid cartoon character. Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Riggs is on a big Shrek and uh, McLean, a giant baby. Giant baby. And Murtagh yeah. has got like a massive hot dog or like just a ridiculous bit of food. Hot, hot dog's great, yeah. yeah. And so they they float up and they're firing guns from their balloons. Yeah. At Tyne Daly, yeah. who's just in the front getting squibbed to bits, like she's um the guy at the start of Robocop, which is just yeah. and um all the balloons get caught up in the um in the engines, and the three mm. of them kind of because the the it hits the thing, the ropes all cl- go together and they all smash together in the middle. Yeah, and they get dragged across the top of a building and let go, and mm. they roll off just to the edge as the plane buckles and crashes in front of Walken. And he very solemnly goes, bing, pow. And then he shouts something about that being his mum. And they're like, and they're like, we have to get out of here. So they, the bad guys head to a train. And now the, the mayor and Dennis Frowns, I like the fact that the mayor 
everything the mayor says, Dennis France repeats, but stood behind him, shaking yeah. his fist. Yeah, um, with a swear word in front of it. Yeah. And like, uh, not the parade. He's like, yeah, yeah the fucking parade. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. McLean, Riggs, Murtaugh, Chase, Walken down. Mm. And they're fighting Walken. They're fighting Mr. T or uh, Mr. Blitzkrieg, Klomper Blitzkrieg in there. Now, at the same time as well, we know that old women saying swear words are funny. All, all day long. Yeah. So there's an old woman on riding the train who's now party to this chaos who just keeps saying like, oh, shit, every now and again. Mm. Um, and the audience will just lose everything. Anyway, this train now is is going crazy. The, the brakes got, or the, the accelerator's jammed down. The sparks come off it. It's going round all over the place. Yeah. It's out of the subway. It's going round on the, the, the Amtrak, is it? Whatever, no, yeah, the yeah, yeah. thing above. Now, at this point, I don't know how this has happened, but the plane crashing has dislodged the rails. So then the rail is no longer attached. It's gone off to the right and up. So the train carriage smashes into a skyscraper. Right. The train goes up inside the skyscraper, up to about like the 25th floor. Yeah. And then we cut to just a shot of this, this, you know, the big mirrored glass skyscraper. And out of it smashes a four carriage subway train. We then cut to a wide shot of in slow motion of this subway train leaving the skyscraper, which for no apparent reason starts to explode behind them. Can that be a Nakatomi? Like they think the Chicago got a Nakatomi branch. She's got Nakatomi yeah. in the top of it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, now at this point, uh, I, th- I think there should have been like a, a report, like a female reporter character. I've got, I've got it. I've got Gone. it. In the helicopter, there's a helicopter circling. It's William Atherton yes. and Mary Ellen Trainer, who is in the yes. weapon. She's playing the report, uh, the female report, and they're in a tiny helicopter, like squashed together. Yeah, and it's just literally being knocked everywhere. Yeah, then bear in mind. So they're in midair. The helicopter comes down alongside them, and yeah. they have a conversation while in midair. She, the Athens, like you can jump on if you give me the exclusive rights to the story. Yeah, and Riggs is like, absolutely, turn your cameras on now. So they open the door. All three of them leap away from the train, mm. grab hold of the little rails at the bottom of the helicopter. Yeah, as the train careers down and Walken, the woman, are screaming and just sit, about to hit the ground. I think the woman, the old woman, should just turn to camera and just say cunt and then yeah. pull the emergency cord as it crashes into the ground and explodes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, at this point, Murtar's trousers have fallen down, <laughs> yeah. revealing some hilarious underwear. Yeah. And that's the point where all the cameras are on them and Riggs yeah. is finding this hilarious. <laughs> and they land the helicopter just as the Winnebago crashes in and Owl and... Um, it's got no wheels. It's yeah. part of it on fire. There's yeah. a crocodile loose in there. And Leo gets <laughs> up our rollout kind of fighting each other. Yeah. But then out from the wreckage crawls Walken mm. and Mr. T, yeah. Plompo Blitzkrieg. And this is where we have our um, uh, Mr. Joshua fight. So then Riggs... And McLean step into the ring of fire and wreckage as everyone else watches, and they both take on Clompo Blitzkrieg while Walken's going bing pow, wallop, <laughs> um, all that kind of stuff. Um, he's got a he's got like a gong from somewhere, and he's banging that as well. And he's na- and he's naked. Can he also have you know the German helmets with the single spike? Yeah, he's got one of them absolutely. on as well. Yeah, yeah um, in honor of his dead mum. And yeah. uh, 
So there's a really violent... Can he, unnecess- talk, can he break the fourth wall as this is going on? Yeah. Back to breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, no one's told him where the cameras are, what eyeline he should have. He's just going for it. So I think they should kill Blitzkrieg in a really vicious way, like in the kind of ice pick in the eyeball way. So what what could... Yes, I like that. I like maybe the idea that Murtar has bought something early on, like an antique letter opener for his wife. And it's the one thing he's still got. Yeah. And and Reese gets it and guts... Yeah, Blitzkrieg with it, like, and it's proper like intestines flailing about all over the place. Yeah, and then McLean shoves a grenade up inside his gut and kicks him away, and he explodes. Um, and then Riggs hands over with, with your Matherton. William Matherton uh, yeah. run in. Yeah, and literally the corpse is flying towards him. Yeah, he just explodes in his face, and all the guts get caught in the rotor blades of the helicopter yeah. and get sprayed everywhere, all over Dennis frowns, yeah. all over everywhere. Um, and Murtar's left with this kind of disgusting thing. That's when Walken takes hostage. He takes both uh, Al Pau and Leo Getz hostage, mimicking yeah. the shot from his childhood. Yeah. And all three of them, like in the first one, turn around. They're all, for some reason, cuddling now. Yeah. <laughs> they all turn around and fire a gun. And all three bullets, in slow motion, as they hit, instead of bouncing off, they merge into one big bullet Yeah. that smashes into Walken's face and his head explodes. And he just go. Kaboom! Or like just a really, <laughs> yes. just a like, just ridiculous kind of like, yeah, stupid phrase. Yeah, absolutely. And then more snow starts to fall. Oh, and Murtar takes a phone call, and the wife is like, "Hey, we're all here," and all the all the kind of wives are sat around somewhere, and they go, um, "How's your trip been?" And Murtar's like, "Oh, huh, eventful." And everyone laughed really loudly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, including Walken. Yeah, stands up, starts laughing. (laughs) Yeah, and then we need to have a classic Christmas song play over the credits. By classic Band Aid. (laughs) Let's say that or Shaking Stevens. Merry Christmas, everyone. Recorded by Walken, (laughs) Leo Getz. (laughs) Who does the Bono line? Walken. Um, Um, And William Atherton does the opening line. Yeah. Yes, we have. Because this is something I have to keep reminding myself that the end credits for Lethal Weapon 4 was a series of cast photographs with Why Can't We Be Friends playing over That's it. That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I like the idea that this has all of the cast singing the song. It's like they're in a recording show, they've all got their headphones on. Massive uh, headphones on. <laughs> yeah, and they're yeah. all singing directly to camera. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the end of Scrooge a little bit as well. They're Can all they like... change it? Obviously, it's like, you know, uh, do they know it's Christmas? Can it have, like, the title in there somewhere? Like, do they know it's uh, Hard Christmas or something like do that? Do they know it's... Do they know it's hard? <laughs> do they... <laughs> Christmas. It doesn't, make... it doesn't work on any level. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I think that's great. I think that I'd, I'd watch that. Now, I will say, though, that I think the third one, following what we said, yeah. the at the end of the credits, so we do the, we do the Band-Aid, then it cuts to the musical score, which, in keeping with tradition, so it's Michael Kamen did both Lethal Weapon and Die Hard, so he's back. That's right. And obviously, he introduced kind of christmas bells into the soundtrack for die hard mm-hmm. so it's got christmas bells in it eric clapton's there twilling away at the guitar you know in the in the in the way and some saxophone music i think because it's this this new combination i think there should be another 
instrumental motif. And I'm going to go with kazoo. Because yeah. sometimes you get them in a Christmas cracker or something. So I think there should yeah, be yeah. A, a kazoo theme running. Absolutely. So then we get the score as the credits and we, we look at the catering people and, and that kind of stuff. And at the end, mm. we cut back to them all finishing laughing. And then Murta goes, why? How's, how was yours? And the women, and it pans out, and the women are standing around fire and wreckage. And they go, well. And Hard Weapon 3 mm. is about the wives dealing with shit. And it's called and it, like Hard Weapon Three, She Weapons, or something yeah. like that. Um, f- feminine Blast. That sounds like a vaginal hygiene product. I love the tones as well. Um, <laughs> female blasters. Uh, female yeah. uh... hard mothers. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's Holly McLean and the yeah. others yeah. who. So uh, I, I, they've all got one. So we've got Holly, Holly McLean. So we've got Briggs. Uh, we've got um, McLean's wife. We've got Riggs's Red Russo. We've got uh, you know Mrs. Murtar. We've got uh, uh, Leo gets his wife, who's uh, like you say, what's her face? Friends. Yeah. Um, Al's wife, who I think he's got like a scorcher. He's yeah. got like um, who was the woman in Baywatch? Uh, who was never in anything anymore? Um, Jasmine Bleeth. I was thinking of Tracy Bingham or some, someone like from yeah. yeah someone from Baywatch. He's that such scorcher. Uh, yeah. Dennis Franz's wife's in there for no reason whatsoever because yeah. they did Dennis Franz's wife is played by Dennis Franz in a week. <laughs> literally, as soon as you said that, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. Um... Brilliant. Oh, yeah. that's brilliant. Um, and, uh, who else have we got in there? Uh, William oh. Atherton's wife, has he, <laughs> can he have one as well? Yeah, um, and, I, and I think, yeah, but I think we go, instead of going with the villain, with like the Gruber family, mm. we should have the wives of all the lethal weapon villains. Yes. So Mr. Joshua's one. wife. Yeah. Who Joshua. I, I mean, if we're pitching this, this would be kind of mid-90s, right? Yeah. 96. Uh, um, yeah. So is, I reckon is that just Gary Busey in a wig? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Sharon Stone, but I'll take Busey in a wig. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Jet. Uh, so no, Death Weapon Four wouldn't have happened yet, would it? No, no. So, so we'd, um, we'd have Mr. Joshua's wife, uh, and we'd have um, the South African yeah. uh, shits from Lethal Weapon mm. Two. Yeah, uh, we'd have a Bridget Nielsen. Yeah, would be the wife of the. I know we've used Bridget Nelson before, and then the is it Stuart, not Stuart Hall, the the bad guy from Lethal Weapon Three, who's also yeah. in Hot Fuzz. Stuart Wilson, isn't it? Stuart Wilson, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know who his wife would be. I reckon she'd be someone like really like mafia mafioso. So she'd be like um... Rosie Perez. Is it Rosie yes. Perez? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not mafioso at all, but yeah. Those three have clubbed together to get revenge mm. on the McLeans, the Murtars, and the the now Riggs. Let's 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 just give us let's we won't pitch the film obviously because we're 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 this is a bumper packed. This is like the Radio Times, Christmas Radio Times. This it is, is full. Yeah. Actually, I might have to go in and add a holiday section in the middle of this just to make it yeah. feel like the Christmas Radio Times. Let's give some flow. What would be in the trailer? What would be some out of context trailer moments for hard uh, mothers? I think someone pulling a shotgun out of a turkey. And that line about like, yeah, she's, she's serving hmm. and there's a gangster there with a gun. And she goes, do you want stuffing? And she puts her hand in 
but she doesn't take the gun out. She just fires the gun inside, and the turkey explodes. Yeah, she's like, Dennis, make a make a wish, motherfucker. Yeah, Dennis Franz, uh, as a lady, gets stuck under the toilet because someone's put a bomb under there. Yeah, yeah. and gets deep brain thrombosis from sitting on the toilet for so long. And um, Rene Russo fight Bridget Nielsen on the roof of a, a snowy house. Yes, and I want there to be not, you know, like like a trike. Not a quad bike, a trike chase. Mm, yeah. Someone's got to say diplomatic immunity as well. I don't know why. Yeah. I think I want to see I want to see Holly McLean just because she gets to punch people, right? Yeah, That's yeah, her yeah. thing. I think just a, a bare knuckle fist fight between her and uh, Rosie Perez. Yeah, really brutal. Knocking the shit out of each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hard mothers. Hard weapon three. Hard Hard mothers. mothers. <laughs> We're coming to the point in the podcast where, you know, the dinner table's been cleared. A couple of people have volunteered to do the washing up. The rest of us are sat. And, you know, Noel's Christmas presents is on, but no one wants to watch that shit. Off Edmonds. Yeah, let's, not let, now, you know. Not now, Edmonds. We'll have a couple of rounds of Trivial Pursuit before getting yeah. bored. <laughs> And then it's we're literally five minutes away from someone going, anyone hungry? Turkey sandwiches, yeah. anyone? It's like I've just eaten about 12,000 calories I've 10 minutes ago. I've just opened a can of beer that's just frothed everywhere in my face. Yeah, and I think that's the point of the evening where we're at now. Unlike Christmas, let's not drag, let this drag on forever. Um, we're going to seal the Christmas evening with um, a song. No, uh, with... Um, our lessons learned from Die Hard 2. So although, you know, this is our Justice 101 section, this isn't going to go in the book. This is just for fun. This advice might appear in a Christmas cracker or, or, or what have you. So, Dick, what lessons related to Christmas can you share with our audience that we can take into the new year? Please go. <laughs> just just don't fucking bother with it. It's just, you oh, know, okay. it's faff. It's, you know... Uh... Yeah, it's, it seems like a good idea at the time, you know. But it always gets ruined by terrorists, is yeah, the thing. Every, every year, every yeah. bloody year, every bloody year. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be in an aeroplane on Christmas Eve because it's likely to get smashed into the ground, right? And you wait for someone in an office party and there's, there's bloody terrorists again. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, you know, try and keep it low-key is what we're saying. Stay home. Um, lock your doors um, put on a Christmas movie you know like Krull and uh, knock yourself out just also I, though I'd say be aware of you know where where your ice is so if you've mm. got some terrorist shits that have appeared in your garden and mm. um, whilst you're putting all the you know I'm putting the Christmas rubbish out or mm. something and you think right I'll grab that ice and shove it in their eyes. Try it. I'd suggest having some kind of ice sculpture, like a giant ice swan, because you could do some real damage with that. Like the yep. wings would be spiky. You could jam a beak in someone's cranial yeah. cranium. Um, you could, yeah, you could, yeah, break a swan's neck off in some cunt's throat. And that's the message of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can, you know, do you know what next Christmas? Yeah, can we pitch a, a Jesus action film? Oh yeah, well, yeah. Of course we can. Of course we can. Um, he what? He was the original action hero. And the tagline something like "There's no room at this inn." Yeah, and it's just him 
fire in the <laughs> It'd just be called Christ exclamation mark. Like Christ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Um fantastic. <laughs> he'd play he'd play Christ. I know we'll do this next year, but oh, Craig Fairbrass. <laughs> I think why not? Some some someone English. I I want to hear uh, Jesus with a Cockney accent. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. But we have to wait a whole wait year, a whole year for that one. For that. Um, but as it is, we'd like to sign off not just for Christmas, but for uh, the year 2020. What a wonderful year it's been. Um, and look forward to a prosperous new 2021 with more to come from us and our particular flavour of bullshit. Yep, our particular stench of utter shit. So, with that, Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm off to play with my uh, radioactive watch. Good luck with that. And watch uh, repeats of the two Ronnies. Uh, I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Indeed. Indeed.